Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go <laughs> into the Marvel Wikipedia and edit Whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another hellish episode of Fanholes Comic Books, motherfucker. Do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And joining me tonight on this special episode are two, count them, two of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and everybody know who's here tonight. Ah, uh, crap. It's Mike. And this is Justin. All right. So, if you have been living in a box, you may not know... Oh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? ...that around the time you're listening to this, there is going to be a brand spanking new Hellboy feature film from Lionsgate that is released in theaters, and in celebration, anticipation, what have you, for the feature film Hellboy release, we're going to be discussing a comic miniseries titled Batman Hellboy Starman. And this was published by DC and Dark Horse in, technically it was 1998 was the on-sale date, but it's got cover dates of uh, January 1999 because it falls on that cusp there and everything. But we're going to be discussing the two-issue miniseries Batman Hellboy Starman. And this was written by James Robinson, who was the current writer of the Starman book of the day. And it comes to us with art from Mike Magnolia, who is the, of course, creator of Hellboy. And I guess my game plan was, was I figured we'd just talk about the first issue and then, you know, have a little break and then talk about the second issue and, uh, you know, do it that way. Um, I've got some kind of canned, semi-stolen, modified synopses from the DC Wikia to, to get us started on those. But I, I know me and Justin kind of briefly talked about this, but I was kind of curious. I'm kind of using this as an icebreaker to put Mike on the spot. But, like, have you seen that new Hellboy trailer yet, Mike? Yeah. What did you, I mean, I'm just curious, because me and Justin kind of did it, and we're kind of like, oh, we're, we're kind of not sure, like, you know, exactly, I guess. That was kind of, yeah, looked- you know, I was curious what your your take on it was. It looked a little off to me. Like I like I had a friend who who's read a lot of Hellboy and he he was kind of excited cuz he he was recognizing like recreation of comic book scenes and stuff in the trailer, but like that's not really a thing for me. So, I don't know. It just kind of looked a little off to me. Like I don't know if it's 
like the prosthesis don't look as good on like uh what's his name david harbour okay i think yeah on that guy on that guy's uh like face as they did on ron perlman or what but i don't know like hellboy himself looked a little off to me and I get like the I guess the tone is probably a little off to me too, even though it might be closer to the actual comic. But I, I don't know. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I just was curious because I know I I, I kind of felt like when when me and Justin were talking about Aquaman, you know, one of the trailers we ended up seeing was the one for Hellboy. So we kind of we kind of already shared our thoughts on it. But I know you weren't around for that, so I was just kind of curious if you sort of you know, shared those or if, you know, if there's anything kind of different or whatever. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I guess I'll go see it. I'm not, I'm not really a hundred percent sold or anything. I mean, I, I did like the first two Hellboy movies, you know, that came out. So I, I don't expect to think that this one is, you know, terrible or anything. And, and I, I guess I have some familiarity with Hellboy. I mean, I was, you know, I was kind of there when he was created, like I was reading comics and buying most of those, you know, legend imprint comics as they came out. Like I remember when he was introduced in John Byrne's next men and a backup story. And then I, I know for sure I read that first miniseries, the, you know, seeds of destruction and everything that the, the first film is loosely based on and everything. And then I think after that, like, I, I don't know that I was like super loyal. Like I kind of remember reading you know, it was like the grace of, of knowing other, you know, you know how, like when you, you fell in with people and, and you made buddies with people. And, and one of the advantages of making friends with those folks was that they also like comics like you, but they didn't necessarily have the exact same taste as you. So you could sort of, to, to me, it was like, oh, if I had the, the buddy that loved X-Men, I was like, oh, great. This is my excuse not to buy X-Men. I can just read all of his comics, basically. And like the the, the same thing was true of, like stuff like Hellboy where I, I had a buddy who I was in one of his short films when I was going to Loyola and I remember, Oh, well he got his pile of comics and I was like, Oh, well, you know, there's a lot of downtime when you're shooting like a short film and everything when they're setting up the lighting and all kinds of stuff. So it was like these hours I was just kind of sitting out there, you know, as quote unquote talent, you know, in the science building that like Reed Richards and Dr. Doom probably strolled around in. If you've seen the uh, Corman, Fantastic Four movie. So I was I was in that building, you know, in, in one of the Loyola like science buildings or whatever, and we were shooting some scenes in there. And I remember pulling out his stuff. You know, he he would read things like you know Major Bummer and you know things I would never touch in a million years. But you know, it's like oh well, we've got all this time to kill, so I might as well you know read some comics. And I I'm pretty sure what I read then was like a collection of like short stories and stuff. Like there's this trade that's called Hellboy, the chain coffin and others. And so it like probably, I think maybe it had some new stuff, but it probably also had like collected stories from like, you know, probably like dark horse presents or something like that. But so I guess what I'm getting at is I think I was there at the ground floor for Hellboy. I like Hellboy, but I wasn't always, I, it's not like every time a Hellboy miniseries came out, I was like first in line to get it. But I guess that, that's something I kind of wanted to open up to you guys before we get into the, you know, the proper comic discussion is kind of like, do you want to get into like sort of how you discovered Hellboy or what your experience with Hellboy is up to this point? Well, mine's like obviously simple. Like it, it was the first movie, basically. Like that was like I had known Hellboy existed 
And I, I, I know, uh, what do you call? It? I, I knew like he was, he was always being touted in like Wizard and stuff. Like, oh, you got to read Hellboy comics and whatever. And I was kind of like, ah, it doesn't really look up my alley. And then you know, I saw the first movie and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I saw like the animated movies and uh, you know, the second movie, and that's pretty much the extent of it with me and Hellboy. I'm, I'm sorry, you saw those animated movies? <laughs> yeah, they were, they were pretty boring. <laughs> They're super boring. What about you, Justin? Kind of like Mike, I was aware of Hellboy through like Wizard and stuff, but I never really sat down and read any of the comics until the movie was about to come oh, out. Okay, okay. Because like, I think some of my friends were like, "You want to go see this?" And I was like, uh, "I don't know. It looks like it could be good." And they were like, "Well, you're a comic guy. You've read the comic, right?" And I was like, "No." They're like, "Oh my god, you've not read this." So I was like, "Okay." I went and picked up the first trade and sat down and read it. And I was like, wow, this is great. Like, I wish I had read this a long time ago. So I watched the movie and I was like, wow, this movie's really good. And then I just kept buying the trades and then I bought every trade that was out. And then, you know, unlike what you were saying, like, I was the guy who had like all the miniseries and related miniseries on their pull list. So, like, I was first in line and I think I had like all the Hellboy comics up to like a certain point from like, I don't know, till like nine years ago. That's okay. kind of when I kind of stopped collecting, you know, majorly as much as I did. But yeah, like I really like Hellboy and a lot of those characters that he encounters. So yeah, like I'm kind of curious about this new film. Like I, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I hope it's good. I want it to be good, but I don't know. And then like what's funny is, you know, you and I were kind of discussing what we should talk about for this episode and we couldn't really pin down just one comic or one story and then you mentioned this and i was like well yeah like i've i've actually never read this mm. believe it or not like this is the one thing that was missing and it's weird because like you know i really like hellboy i love the starman comic yeah like i i that's another like trade that i picked up and read like i've heard so much about this i'm gonna pick it up and read it i was like wow this is fantastic i really like this i got all those like those are comics that I won't ever get rid of like you'll probably have to like take them out of my cold dead hands or something. <laughs> but like for, for whatever reason, I just never picked this up to read it. I, I, I don't <laughs> know why. Maybe I was saving it for like, mm. you know, sometimes it's like you've seen almost every episode of your favorite TV show like Star Trek. Like there was a point where like there were still one or two episodes I'd never seen. And then I watched it and I was like, wow, like I've I've seen every episode now. And then you're kind of like. Oh, there's there's nothing new left, huh? And you, you kind of like, it's like you've you had that feeling of you accomplished something, but then it's like there's nothing left new. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I I get it. I think I think for me, like it's funny because I I kind of look at this as, or at least the, when when this came out, I kind of looked at it as like a Batman book. And and I think just for that reason, I did not buy this off the stands. Like, w what I would often do, because, and this isn't quite as guilty as some of the other books, but this was like a, you know, these, these were $2.50, you know, price tag books that were coming out in, you know, the, you know, late 90s, basically. And, I mean, that wasn't anything to sneeze at, but it's not like there were these deluxe, you know, four ninety nine books or five ninety nine books or whatever. But, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that was coming out at the time, other than, like, 
the whatever four Batman ongoing titles and all the family periphery titles that were related to Batman at the time. Like you'd find all these specials and mini series and one shots and kind of like when something's popular, you know, whether it's JLA or Batman or whatever, DC will, you know, milk that cow. Right. And I think just because of that, like there was a big oversaturation of Batman stuff. So I think when I saw this, I knew of it and was like, oh, yeah, that looks pretty cool. But then at the same time, I was like, well, fuck, there's like so many, you know what I mean? Like you, you had to sort of pick and choose, you know, and it was like a lot of the times I think I lean towards if I was reading an ongoing book, like, say, Batman, I'd lean towards putting my money into something I already had an invested collection in rather than you know, throw like, you know, five ninety nine at a one shot or something, even if it was a really good one. And then later what I would end up doing is I'd go to all these stores around Los Angeles or in that general area. You know, I, I, I'd end up going to like, I don't know, like different neighboring kind of places and stuff and, and find like stuff that was on sale. And I remember like some of the stuff was like this and the Scottish connection. Like there were, there were a bunch of books that came out where they were really, to me, they were more high end books. And then it's like, Oh, well, if I could get them for 50 cents, then that would, you know what I mean? Like that was, that was doable as opposed to, you know, two fifty and five and $6 and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I came to at least this mini series or whatever, I guess. I'll go ahead and and give my brief appropriated and modified synopsis from the DC Wiki of issue number one, and then we can can get into the specifics and start talking about the issue. While giving a lecture on alternative energy sources, the retired Golden Age starman, Ted Knight, is kidnapped by a group of neo-Nazi skinheads possessing electrical powers. Failing to stop Knight's abductors, Batman is summoned by Commissioner Gordon via the bat signal and meets the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense's agent, Hellboy, who joins him in attempting to rescue Ted Knight. The duo eventually track the group, calling itself the Knights of October, to a deserted airfield. However, in the ensuing battle, their leader, Dance, escapes with Ted Knight on board a small plane. Hellboy vows to go after him, but Batman is called away to deal with an escaped Joker. Fortunately, the duo's problems are solved when Ted Knight's son, Jack Knight, the new Starman, joins Hellboy in the pursuit. And that is a very brief synopsis of the first issue of Batman Hellboy Starman. So I guess I I, I think I'll open it up to you guys and kind of I guess maybe ask your first impressions, maybe your thoughts. And I, I think uh, Mike said he had questions too. So hopefully I can, I can help out with that. Well, first of all, I just want to, well, I think it's obvious, but this is one of those deals like a crossover deal where it's like, Oh, we've always existed in the same universe. Like, like, yeah, yeah, I was going to say like Batman's like, you know, I've heard of you, Hellboy, like, and Hellboy's like, really? Okay. Like, (laughs) but yeah, I, I, I was I was assuming that, you know, sometimes it's kind of weird, like for years, like I didn't realize that Swamp Thing was part of the DC universe. Like I, I just thought he was like I knew DC, like, you know, he he his comics were made by DC. But I just since he I guess he had movies I, 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 for whatever reason, my little kid brain thought like, oh, well, he has his own adventures and some other like whatever. And like he never interacts with anything else in DC, but. But I, like maybe I um 
had the inkling that Hellboy was like that too, but like no, then uh, you know it took me a while to realize. Oh wait, no, Hellboy is Dark Horse Comics, like not DC Comics. So you know, but like seeing this, it kind of like almost like short circuited me to my like little kid like uh brain almost like where i was kind of like wait a minute was it what was i thinking of like it was like almost a deja vu like short circuit brain short circuit or something so like but, like are you i guess what i'm wondering is uh, are you used to like when it's all these intercompany crossovers like they have to like hellboy has to jump through an interdimensional portal and come to like gotham city and then they're they're from two different universes kind of like those you know when we read those turtle crossovers and they were jumping back and forth yeah the two different I, I usually like dimensions yeah. or whatever I usually like it when there's some kind of explanation. Like I, I even as a kid, I thought it was like bullshit that like Spider-Man and Batman were just like palling around like they had mm. met before. <laughs> like Spider-Man was always saying like, you know, like in that comic, like I keep waiting like for Superman to call me and stuff. And I'm like, what? You don't know Superman. Like, <laughs> I kind of expected like Hellboy to jump through a portal and be like, hey, I'm from Earth. Like x71 blah 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 like that's what i expected mm. so when they were like yeah bro i know who you are i'm familiar with your works so i was like oh which one of these okay like sometimes that's better you don't have to juggle so many things in the air it's like okay how does like the nazis get over to gotham how does like hellboy get there how do they get back and blah blah blah, blah. sometimes it's better to just Disperse with all that nonsense and just jump into the yeah story. yeah i mean th- this is very meat and potatoes i i also think it's it's very how, how should I say continuity unburdened, you know, like there, there's not the burden of continuity. Cause like, and I, I don't know if this is me prefacing like any questions that Mike might have, but like I was trying to frame this in a way that anybody that was listening that didn't have the context of, of the history of what was going on around it, like it's sort of like you sort of have to treat it like, okay, this is about Batman, right? Well, what was going on in Batman's books at the time? no man's land so clearly like this does not take place during no man's land because gotham city is just freaking dandy even though you know the joker's one shit up and being you know a typical nuisance but it's not to the point where you know gotham city is cut off from the rest of the you know continental united states and there's this basically like you know walking dead scenario in little gotham city where everybody's ostracize themselves in various tribes and and, and kind of gangs or or what have you so it's like this is very much a straightforward you know batman from gotham city meat and potatoes batman you know even though during this you know this would actually you know conceivably if you're going to try to continuity stamp it you know this would have to take place either before no man's land or like after Gotham City's long since recovered from no man's land, essentially. If you're looking at Hellboy, I mean, I, you know, Justin may be able to help me out with this in terms of the the actual framework or sort of what was what was actually going on in Hellboy's books at the time. But it's like when I look at it, it's like a lot of times there's, you know, maybe once a year or twice a year, Magnolia would, would come out with some kind of miniseries. Like, for instance, that that Chain Coffin and others uh, trade paperback that I was talking about reading at Loyola Marymount when I was, like, you know, shooting a film or whatever. Like, that came out in August of 1998. So that was basically before this came out, 
You know what I mean? So, like, all those collected short stories were up maybe, what, three or four months before this came out. So, you know, Hellboy's going about his business, doing his routine. I mean, I think the way Hellboy was released was very much in that, I want to say, like, Jeff Loeb way of wanting to release comics. Like, that, it's not like Hellboy started with issue one, and then now you're looking at it some 25, 30 years later where you're on, like, Hellboy 116. It's like, no, like, there were individual miniseries, and anybody could come in at any time, and anybody could leave at any time, but if you like the Hellboy character like Justin, you know, maybe you'd be first in line, and every time a new little miniseries came out, you would pick it up and everything. And then, you know, even after that, there's, like, things like, uh, I think after this miniseries, there was something called Hellboy Box Full of Evil, which I'm not familiar with, but it was another you know, Hellboy miniseries that took place after this. So that, that to me, I'm like, if you're going to sort of continuity stamp it, you know, Batman, Hellboy, Starman kind of takes place in between those two, probably. Starman was, again, kind of like No Man's Land. I mean, he was off, you know, Jack Knight was off in outer space looking for Will Payton at this point. Like he was, he was in the whole journey to space, stars my destination arc. So him and... Mikhail or Michael, however you want to say it, the the groovy '70s star man. Him and and Jack Knight were off in outer space, you know, on this starship. And I think around the time that this came out, they finally found Solomon Grundy, and he was not the you know flower child friendly Solly version of Solomon Grundy. Like he was like the sort of back to being the nefarious and actually semi intelligent. Solomon Grundy at that point, and, and that that's right around when this miniseries came out. So again, this could not take place in between Jack Knight's space journey. It's like you couldn't, you know, it's like the whole Namek thing. It's like you can't have DBZ movies taking place during the Namek saga because it's ridiculous because they're in outer space. So it would, you know, it's like one of those things where th- this would have to take place either before Jack left for outer space or after he came back. But, like, I think right around this time, too, like, the DC event 1 million was going on as well. So if that gives you, like, a, I don't know, a timestamp for, for what was going on in either, you know, the DC universe or, or Hellboy's universe at the time, like, that's kind of around the time frame where this all was released at any rate. Can, can you imagine if DC was like, no, you have to incorporate the space arc? Uh, no Man's Land and One Million into this yeah, would, event, yeah, I'd be the, like... The, the, that would sort of ruin this entire story, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. I'd be like, uh, my head would explode. Yeah. I'd be like, uh, why don't you get someone else to write this? I can't do that. I gotta take time away from dealing with these roving gangs to deal fight some Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. How do you feel about Mignola's artwork? Because I remember when I bought that first trade and was reading it, uh, a friend of mine from high school kind of flipped. He flipped through it, and he was basically he was like, "Pu, what is with this artwork?" Like he thought it was awful. And I was trying to explain to him, "It's just that's just style. It's very stylized." And he's like, "Well, look at this guy's hand. It looks weird. Like look at this guy's leg. Like it looks super tiny." And I don't. Know, he was all about proportions. He was like, "Well, you know, this guy looks like a barrel with arms and legs." And I was like, "This." I'm like, "It's not. You know, it's not." Jim Lee or anything like that. Like this is just his own style, and I was trying to do my best to defend it, but he he would not hear any of it. He just thought it was like kid scribbling or something. But I wanted to ask you guys, like, what what you felt about his artwork? I do like Magnola's style, and like 
I'm 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 someone who always like falls on the side of like, you know, this is someone's style and you just gotta kinda like, you know, get in the same on the same wavelength as it to like enjoy it. But like at the same time, like I picked my avatar for a reason where, you know, like Magnolia might make Hellboy like look good in his style, but like sometimes Batman looks like a freaking like like in certain panels looks like a like child's drawing of Batman and like <laughs> dude I, no it, I'm I'm going to argue cuz like my my thing is I'm totally on Magnolia's side in this question and answer thing but like dude that's just foreshortening like it's not it's not that he has baby fucking hands it's that the you know it's like the same thing as like a Kirby thing where you know the 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 knee juts out at you at the front of the page but then from behind you know the hand is like super tiny because he's like jutting out or whatever that's i don't know for me that's that's what i see in in those things like i would just argue like okay like you talk about proportions and it's like well does does justin's friend complaining about it understand the concept of foreshortening you know like those are the kind of things that i would argue in addition to saying hey look this is his style i mean I, you know, you know what's interesting about that is I've never given Mignola much thought in that vein, even though he is very stylized. Because my earliest exposure, I think, to his art was Cosmic Odyssey, and I guess maybe coming out of the whole superpower, super friends, dark side like thing. You know, like the, to me, that was sort of a big deal. Like to some point, like even on the they, they they do the DC OCD podcast where they just cover like every DC event. And there was like some argument, I think, between certain people where they're like, is that really, is Cosmic Odyssey really an event? And they covered it. And to me, I'm like, I would be in their camp where I'm like, it most definitely was like an event, quote unquote. Like this was a big deal. Like you had Superman and Batman and Martian Manhunter and Starfire and Orion and Forager and Dr. Fate and all these guys teaming up against Darkseid and Etrigan was there and you know so there's all kinds of stuff and and his style is obviously not to everybody's liking like I've heard I've heard like the blowback from certain people where they're like Magnola like I don't know that I you know like some people are like I don't know that that style is my thing I'm like I guess that's fair enough that you know that about yourself but like I I feel like a broken record with this kind of conversation about artistic styles because for me I think I'm always pretty open-minded to it i mean i i kind of view it as like when i went to like art class and you know they talked about different styles of art like cubism or whatever it was and it's like yeah okay at first you're like i don't know what the fuck i'm looking at this looks like a bunch of squares and gibberish and like a quote-unquote child drew it but you know the more you pay attention to different styles and accustomed to it you see like oh look this is the thing's head this is the arms this is the legs this is the you know proportions or the foreshortening or whatever technique it is within the confines of this specific style and if it's say cubism like everything looks like a fucking cube right so you're you're just kind of going along with it and i think the same thing applies to styles like this where he has a you know obviously there's a heavy amount of blacks there's always all these you know shadows and everything like that and i think i think the other thing that i really loved that mignola did after i got into his stuff was the the roy thomas like tops bram stoker's dracula movie adaption like I, i can't exactly say i'm a big fan of francis ford coppola's dracula movie like i don't think it's the greatest movie ever but I will give mad props to that 
adaption of it because I really and and I I remember reading things because I I think maybe I felt like I had some kind of personal identification with Mike Mignola because I would read these interviews where he was very self-conscious about like he's like I don't do likenesses I uh, you know I'm not going to be able to draw Gary Oldman to the you know to the exact you know wrinkle and and all this other you know it's like he's not he's not trying to do an alex ross he's not trying to do a you know i'm trying to think of like somebody who who can basically replicate you know somebody perfectly like where you're doing basically uh police sketches to like apprehend a criminal where it you know shot for shot this looks exactly like the person in pencil it's like it's not like that he's not a sketch artist where he's like reproducing somebody's face for the police to track down and mignola was kind of like look i'm not that guy but I'm going to do this to the best of my ability in my own style. And I think the reason why I related to that was because I'm like, I'm not a sketch artist either. Like I can't just look at somebody's face and relate it, but it's like, I did like the idea of trying to do that, but keep it within my own style. And so like, that was something I always, it's not like I've never done portraits or self portraits or likenesses of people, you know, especially girls that I liked or whatever. Like I certainly tried, you know, and, and did things like that, but it was always probably within the confines of my own style where it wasn't like I was some kind of savant where I could just be like zip, 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 zip. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's a perfect recreate. You know, it's not like a Neil Adams thing where, you know, Neil Adams would go, be the little kid in the bar and, and draw the girl and then, you know, put some color on it. And then they'd be like, oh my God, you're a genius. It looks just like the bar lady or whatever, you know, like those kind of things. So it's like, I, I certainly wasn't like that. And I, I think, Mignola knew he wasn't like that either. So, I mean, I, I think I would always be in the defend camp as far as that question goes. And as as far as the specific art in this issue, I mean, this this was to me like, you know, in, in the, the heyday of him doing his own style for Hellboy. And it was kind of fun to see him revisit DC characters again, too, you know, to see him tackle Batman and see him tackle Starman and stuff like that, whether it's like the Golden Age version or the the modern age version. I mean, I, I guess you could argue his style is probably fits better with Jack Knight than Ted Knight, but it's still fun to see him take on those characters. And then there is the sense of ridiculousness to some of the, the stylings, but I think that comes with the, the, the storyline in the book where it's like, yeah, of course all these electric Nazis have red swastikas, like, you know, all over their, their little black shirts and stuff like that. So you can, you know, tell, tell that they're bad guys and stuff like that. And it's like, you just kind of have to go along with that kind. And if you, if you, if you, if you have to stop and think that's goofy, well then probably this book isn't for you. But I, you know, for me, I, I don't think that ever bothered me, you know, as far as styling and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, like I, I usually fall on that side too, but like, I don't know, like sometimes I also, I also, my like criteria is if I look at an image and say, could I replicate that? And like, when I looked at that Batman image, I was like, yeah, I probably could. Like, I, as much as I like his style, I don't think I was prepared for like page one, like his Joker. I I think it took me back a minute because I wasn't expecting like a Magnolia Joker to show up. And I was like, oh, it's the Joker. He's okay. But then like, I mean, he looks kind of weird from a distance, and I—I I mean, I get it. But then you've got that really great close-up where, like, he's like gleefully holding his little exploding doll head or whatever. Like, that's a really great shot. 
Yeah, I, I, I do. I, and it's cool to see him because I, I can't remember a time where we got to see Mignola do a take on the Joker. Yeah. Know? So let me let me ask you guys this. Like, is Hellboy like you? Like I said, I'm mostly familiar only with the movies and, the, you know, like Ron Perlman's kind of a grumpy like Hellboy is Hell like Hellboy was pretty friendly in this, though. Like, what is like what is he usual in the comics? I I mean, I don't know. Justin can can go into his own thoughts on it. Like I feel like because the co-create, you know, the creator of Hellboy was involved in this, like I kind of feel like Batman and Hellboy were the the only thing in this that, well, not the only thing, but it's like, if you're going to look at aspects of this story that are throwbacks to, to a different time, like not a grim and gritty nineties time of comics, I think, the the way they team up and the way they work together like is kind of a throwback to a lot of those kind of to me like a 50s dc story where it's just like hey you know hellboy called you oh really commissioner well you know i usually work alone i'm grim and gritty batman and then you know eventually it's like well you know it'd probably be a good idea if you worked with me because i know about this magic stuff and you know they have batman kind of give into that and say, all right, are you coming? Like, or not, you know? And, and as they continue to talk to one another, I mean, it, it's almost funny because they have all these storylines, say, for example, in No Man's Land, where Batman cannot accept help from his own, quote-unquote, damn family. You know what I mean? Like, like where he's, he's out and out rejecting assistance from people who just want the best for him, whereas in this, because it's isolated from that, baggage of continuity the the you know urban myth batman or the the grim and gritty you know grumpy puss bat dick avenger of the night or whatever right he can have a moment with hellboy where he's just like hey bro like i'm, I'm glad we teamed up and hellboy can be like yeah i'm, I'm kind of glad we teamed up too like high five like team you know go team venture or whatever but it's with like batman and hellboy so i guess my answer would be i i think both hellboy and batman are probably I don't want to say overly friendly, but refreshingly friendly in this to one another. You know what I mean? Like that, that I I think in other contexts within their own storylines, they might be a little more grumpy, but in this, they're like, they're not because, because it's, 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 you know, subverting your expectations, I guess, or something. I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. I guess the best way to describe him would be like, he does not suffer fools lightly. Like he's he's part of a team, so he can work with people, and he's really good with you know Abe Sapien and Liz, of course. But like, if you're some kind of like bureau toady, just towing the line and giving orders, and you don't care about you know what's going on around you or the people around you, like he has no time for you, and he will be grumpy. And like you see that, you know, several times in his own little adventures where he, he just has no time for. For people like that, but like if you're, you know, if you're on his team, you know, of course he's gonna like go out of his way to like, you know, to save your ass if you're in trouble or you know whatever he has to do. But yeah, like I kind of, I kind of agree with Derek's assessment. It's like they're both a little, they've been slightly tweaked a little bit to where they're both uh, friendly. I guess Batman more than Hellboy, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, in 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 defense of Justin's argument, it's like. Hellboy doesn't suffer fools lightly, and in this case, I think it's fair to say that because Robinson's a co, you know, a creator, a co-creator of the Jack Knight Starman, and just because they have, you know, fondness for Batman, like Batman and Jack Knight are not fools, 
You know what I mean? Like they're they're they're, yeah. they're they're both heroes in their own ways. They're both intelligent and capable in their own ways. So it's like it's not like it's not like Hellboy is suffering a fool in this instance. It's like you 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 think about it and you'd be like, oh well, yeah. If if Steve Lombard was teaming up with Hellboy, then yeah, maybe <laughs> Hellboy would give him some fucking attitude, right? Like like you know. But it's like it's not near these guys or Steve Lombard, right? So it's like it's okay, you know. It's like it's like he he doesn't have to quote unquote suffer any fools because Batman's not, you know. I mean, it pains me to say this, but Batman's not a fool. You know what I mean? Like so, I think I. I think in that sense, at least that kind of, you know, smooths things over for their kind of happy get along in terms of this team. Yeah, like like if the chump version of Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man and Wasp came up to Hellboy mm. and he's like, Hellboy, you don't have a permit, blah, blah, right, blah, blah. Right, right, right. Like Hellboy would either like just walk away or he would just like knock him aside with his big arm of doom or whatever and be like, I ain't got time for you, dude. Like, get him away. <laughs> This might be, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of the game or whatever, but, you know, you've got this first issue is essentially focused on the Batman Hellboy portion of the team up. And, you know, that Ted Knight does get abducted and everything and taken away. And so you, you've got two characters that are working together. And it, it's interesting because you think about it, at least this is something I was thinking about had Batman and or Hellboy worked alone, like in this context, they both probably would have died or been missing in action. You know what I mean? Like, like if, if it wasn't for, for Hellboy being there to help out against these electric Nazi goons, like Batman could have been killed a number of times. And then if you look at what happens with the kind of weird, portal or whatever the one the one guy that sort of sacrifices himself and becomes this like dark dimension thing and it's sucking all these you know not only people but everything in the surrounding area into like this weird black hole within his body it's like hellboy if batman wasn't there probably would have been sucked in the portal like i don't know if he would have died but he would have been you know missing an action lost forever that kind of thing but luckily like batman's able to do you know rope a batarang around a pole and grab Hellboy and keep him from getting, you know, sucked in and everything. So in, in that sense, you're like, oh, well, the sum of the parts was a good whole together as far as that goes, you know. And then towards the tail end, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, sorry, dude, I can't go on this team up with you anymore because, you know, the Joker's still out there. And then that's when we're introduced to Jack Knight. I like that sequence where Batman is saving him. You know, like I, I don't know sometimes I'm kind of down on Batman, but like that that was a really good moment in this, and like yeah. it's drawn and blocked really well. And then another thing is I love all the Kirby dots in that sequence, especially like when it pulls back and you see it's kind of made like a weird swastika. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, and then you kind of see them, you know, kind of looking at it, and they're like all these these black Kirby dots floating around. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I dig it. And, and even if Mike can draw it, I still dig it. <laughs> do you guys have anything else, or do you want to go on to the subsequent issue? Oh, though, one last thing I wanted to say about this one, uh, which made me laugh, is uh, when the Gordon is talking about, like, the Joker's last crime, which was 
killing a bunch of people at a sports bar because everyone wanted to watch the hockey game uh, and he wanted to watch Frasier. And I was yeah. kind of like, I'm like, I'm yeah. almost on the Joker's side there. <laughs> you know what? You know, it's funny. I think, I think, we'll, I mean, we'll get into this probably in the second issue too, but it seems like, you know, the way Robin was writing Starman at the time, he would have a lot of those like very of their time pop culture references. Like I almost feel like I need, you know, one of those, you know, Shakespeare folio editions that has like the cliff notes and annotations to tell you like who Shakespeare is referring to, because sometimes it's been so long, you know, like there, there was a reference in the second issue and I was like, who the fuck is that? And I had to like, look at to understand the reference, you know? So I was like, I don't, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't understand what, you know, Hellboy's talking about there and, and we'll, we'll get to it. But that, that also seems to be like Frazier obviously was not a problem with me, but I I guess that could, could have been right. Like where you're like, Oh, what, you know, if you get far enough away from it, somebody could read this and go, what the fuck is Frazier? You know, like that kind of thing. Derek, remember Frazier? He's back in Magnolia form. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) All right. So I'll, I'll go ahead and, uh, read uh my second brief synopses from the second issue and then we'll get into it and of course the um i don't know if i mentioned this or not but the the title of the first issue was called gotham gray evil and the second issue is titled jungle green horror batman bids farewell as hellboy and starman board bruce wayne's private jet for the trip into the amazon rainforest As soon as they bail out of the plane, they come under fire from the Knights of October. Once they penetrate their defenses, they learn that Otto Dance is using Ted Knight's scientific knowledge to reanimate the Elder God, Sugor Yogaroth. Hellboy invokes an ancient Lemurian incantation to dispel the demon, and the duo are able to drive it back and rescue the captive Ted Knight. They then see Batman's Batwing in the night sky arriving to return them all home. And that, essentially, is the brief synopsis of issue two of Batman, Hellboy, Starman. And like I was saying before, this is very much the, you know, the Jack Knight, Hellboy portion of the team-up. I mean, Batman's kind of in the first couple panels in the beginning, but, you know, this is basically Batman's exit from this series that essentially, you know, Hellboy is pretty much the, the, the through line between the two issues. And it's, you know, Hellboy's team up with Batman in the first issue and Hellboy's team up with Jack Knight in the second issue. And I, I don't know, this, this might be a good time. I mean, I'm assuming I know the answer to this because, you know, since said he's never going to let his Starman trades go. I know I really like the James Robinson Starman. I, I'm just going to throw this out there, but I'm assuming you have like zero experience with Jack Knight Starman, Mike? You are correct, sir. Okay. Okay. That's kind of what I thought. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know. Again, this is, you know, a continuation of the story. Um, it's, you know, I mean, I guess it's dealing with, with sort of tropes, you know, the, 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 you know, South American Amazon rainforest. It's like, well, where else do you find expatriated Nazis but South America? And then, you know, you've got kind of this fight between Hellboy and the, the different Nazis and everything. It, it, I think it does a good job of sort of showcasing Jack Knight's powers with the cosmic rod or staff, but without, I don't know, it it doesn't, you know, it's not doing a Claremont thing where you've got a bunch of text boxes that sort of explain to you what it does, but 
they're, you know, it's like you can see them levitating. You can see him kind of giving Hellboy a lift, you know, with the cosmic rod. You can see him, you know, basically lighting up so that, you know, all the, the Nazi soldiers are blinded, you know, different things like that throughout the course of the story. So it's not like you you don't know what the cosmic rod is capable of as far as that goes, you know, him blowing away stuff and everything. And I guess so I don't forget about it. There is a sequence where you've got dance and, and he's standing on the top of a, a sort of, you know, South American, I guess, classic building or whatever. And, and he says to Hellboy, he knew he'd return. And then, you know, basically he's got these, you know, the electric Nazis, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, shooting their green Nazi bolts at him and everything. And Hellboy basically punches the pillar with his big giant hand. And he says, you guys need Bob Via. And I was like, who the fuck is Bob Via? And then I had to look it up and I was like, oh, it's like some guy <laughs> from like, you know, it's like one of those like American home, you know, improvement channels or something like that, where I'm assuming he comes in and says, oh, your house looks like a piece of crap. Let's, uh, Let's spruce it up with a couple million dollars, and then people are like, "Oh my gosh, it looks so great!" Because we put a couple million dollars into the fucking house. That's why. But anyway, so I guess what I was saying is that that was kind of one of those Robinson, I guess, kind of like a Fermanism. Like I think this is like a Robinism or Robinsonism, you know, like where he'll he'll pluck kind of like those those kind of pop culture obscure references, you know, for the the dialogue and stuff like that. I thought this was a pretty good display of uh, Starman's personality too, because he's he's not like your typical like hero. He's kind of a laid back kind of guy. Like I, I always thought he was kind of like if Randall from Clerks had the star rod, mm. like that's what you would have. Because he's just like at the beginning of the series, he's just a guy who has like an antique shop, and he's more into like collecting stuff than picking up his dad's legacy or or any of that. Like he doesn't really want much to do with the the family business of being Starman. He's more into you know collecting stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then you know shenanigans happen, and he has to become a hero. But I always thought he was kind of like you know the you know I mean it, it was the '90s, so like the slacker. You know, Kevin Smith kind of stuff was very popular, but I always kind of thought that was like kind of what what that version of Starman was like. He was kind of a a laid back, cool dude you would want to like have a beer with or something. Yeah, and he he was usually. I mean, it seems like Robinson's main goal was maybe not to hang the nail on the head or hit the nail on the head with having him be a fan of like comic books or whatever. But he had the like basically whatever passion you have for comics or action figures or, you know, manga or sci-fi or whatever the heck it is that you're like super passionate about, like you could tell Jack Knight had that same passion for old vinyl records and, you know, classic, you know, antique furniture and, and, you know, all those kind of things that he was into collecting in his antique store. You could tell that it's like, he may not have exactly been you in terms of, what he was going after, but you could tell, like, you you, you kind of had the vibe where you're like, dude, Jack Knight's w- one of our people, basically. You know what I mean? Like, he's one of us. So it's yeah. like you you kind of you kind of always got that vibe from from that character. I, I remember like kind of having like a little fanboy moment. Like, I think either the first or second issue, like well, spoilers, like his antique store burns to the ground, and he's kind of like in his head, he's like totally aghast to see his store and his 
all his stuff burned to the ground and he's mentally going through what he has. And one of the things he mentions, he's like, you know, a J. Allen St. John original drawing. And I was just like, oh, my God. But like, you know, for those of you who don't know, like J. Allen St. John was like an illustrator, you know, 20s and 30s. And he mostly did like illustrations for like uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs Tarzan books. Like he would do covers and like the frontispiece and stuff. So like kind of like what Derek's saying, like he's one of us. I was like, oh, dude, like you like you had one uh, an original drawing. Right. You know, it, is toast. I'm just like, oh my god, like that. That's so. Well, that, that's like that's like we're, we laugh about having to restart your Pokemon collection, but we're <laughs> we're we're crying about this, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I I don't know how you guys felt, but I I think I like issue way more than issue one, and I guess that owes a lot to like I prefer you know Starman and Hellboy more than Batman. And so seeing I, them have like an adventure I kinda, together. I mean, th- th- this is not again. This is not me. I'm not. I'm not ragging on Batman 100. <laughs> percent But I, I kind of feel like they had to have Batman in this to sell it. Like I feel yeah. like I feel like the original pitch was like, "Hey, Mike, like let's get together and like, oh, cool, James, like yeah, let's do a team up. Wouldn't it be cool if my guy Starman teamed up with your guy Hellboy? Yeah, that'd be awesome." And so then they pitch it, and DC's like, "Well, we don't know that this is gonna sell so." well and blah, blah 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 and they quickly are like well what if we had batman in it and they go oh batman well yeah let's, let's Where's bring like that. Batman? That, that that sounds like that could make lots of money for us okay <laughs> and, and it'll be it'll be 250 it'll be prestige and okay and all this other stuff so like i, I that that i mean i you know i don't want to be that guy but i'm totally that guy where it's like dude batman was probably an afterthought in this whole thing and i think the original concept was probably the second issue where you know jack knight teams up with help Boy, and, and and that's probably why you have the reaction to it that you do that you 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 enjoy this more because this is probably the, the most pure essence of the intent of of this what this book was probably originally intended to be but you know to me it's all speculation and supposition i mean robinson and mignola come out and do an interview and go oh that guy's full of shit we always we always <laughs> plan to have batman in it you know so it's like not like i know what i'm talking about but that's just that's kind of the vibe i get you know it, it wouldn't surprise me it's not the first time they've slapped batman on something to make it sell and it's not going to be the last time they slap batman in something to make it sell so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me in the least I was kind of expecting Batman to come in like the last minute, maybe the last four pages and save the day or blow something up in the Batwing. But I mean, he does show up, but it's like, you know, business has already been taken care of. So I kind of appreciated that part of it. I was just thinking that, you know, like you were saying, like Robinson is not going to come back and say you're wrong or whatever. But that's not that's that that's not a headline that would happen on a like clickbait site where it's like creator upset at podcast that criticizes work from 20 years ago like <laughs> well, Robinson but, says crab is a duty head and wrong is a duty head and wrong No, I don't. To me, Robinson seems like a pretty cool guy. Like, I don't, I yeah, don't think. Yeah. I, and to me, it's not. I mean, I'm not criticizing, including Batman. And if Batman is what got this greenlit and made, like, it's not a criticism. It's just an observation. You know what I mean? Like, that's all. But I just like the when they're in the jungle and they're fighting all the Nazis. Like, it's it's action packed, and I like the way I love all the colors because they're in the jungle, and you've got all these like different shades of like 
green and it'll take yellow sometimes and you got like black for all the trees and stuff and it's i don't know it's just beautiful to look at and i'm just like you know i think back to like my buddy and he's like kids scribbling it's garbage i'm just like dude like you i don't know i feel like people who were against mignola's artwork like they should look at the second issue and look at this jungle battle sequence and i, I think well, you that, win that, that splash page like i i love yeah. the reds on it like it's it's yeah. cool because you've got you've got the some some of the nazis have blood coming out of their mouths they have the little red armbands they got the little red goggles you know and then hellboy's got the red too so it's like and then and then what you're saying is it's held up by the the greens of the amazon in the background so I mean the the whole thing, and it's it's got very much to me like like that splash page has a very like Kirby feel to it, like with all the you know how like he always used to have like either double page spreads or maybe it was like this double page spread with the the really elongated regular panels where either you know it'd be like a New Gods thing or a, a World War Two thing, and you could see like the one German soldier like screaming at you in the middle of the camera, and then you know Cap's like beating the shit out of some other guy off to the side, and it pans across the whole you know, the whole two pages or whatever. And this is, this is more a lengthwise splash page, but it's like, it's, it's a really, I mean, you know, like, I know like sometimes people like totally criticize, you know, oh, well, you know, McFarland, Jim Lee and those image guys just did splash pages to sell on the aftermarket. But like, this is the kind of splash page where if you loved like Jack Knight and Hellboy and them beating the hell out of some Nazis in the Amazon rainforest, like if somebody could get that splash page of original art, like they'd probably be like a fucking pig in shit, you know, with the, that kind of, you know, image or whatever. Cause it's a, it's a great, great splash page. Yeah. I really dug like the atmosphere of this issue too. Like, like Justin said, like the Mignola like renders the forest as like, like I want to say, like the forest is alive, basically. Oh. You know, the and I, I just I liked the color. I liked it better than like how Gotham looked, basically. Okay. So uh, this is something I'm not super familiar with, but maybe Justin is because you know uh, I'm I'm a dirty illiterate and I don't read shit. But like for the the whole kind of you know how they kind of go into Lovecraft and and the Elder mm-hmm. God that they're gonna restore like. How, how much of that is, you know, because they have that little kind of joke to, where they're like, is this kind of like Lovecraft shit? And Hellboy's like, you'd be surprised. Like, some of this shit is actually, like, Lovecraft kind of knows what he's talking about. So, like, I was just wondering, like, is is that, you know, Sugor Yogaroth, like, something from Lovecraftian lore? Is that is that just something that sounds like it's from Lovecraftian lore? Pretty sure it is from Lovecraft himself. I mean, it's been a while since I've read my uh, my Lovecraft, but pretty sure, yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of a lot of like terms like that, like a lot of those get reused in other stories. Like, I mean, Cthulhu is like the major one that shows up, and like seems like any kind of weirdo monster gloop gloop thing, people say Cthulhu. But there's like there are, he names off like dozens of like weirdo monsters, and I you know Cthulhu is the most famous, but there are others and i'm pretty sure the one mentioned in this is uh lovecraftian it's it's interesting because i guess i mean if you ascribe to the notion that this this gets brought up in a lot of different comic book series where they talk about the notion that even historically hitler was apparently to the occult right like that he he, he liked searching for those artifacts or whatever. And so if you look at, like, DC Comics history, that is supposed to explain, like, why he 
went after the spear of destiny or something like that. And then if you look at, you know, shit like Indiana Jones, that is supposed to explain, you know, why he went after, you know, the lost Ark of the Covenant and all that crap, right? So I guess it's not that far-fetched that a bunch of Nazis would be into resurrecting a Lovecraftian, like, demon god. But then there is that part of me that's kind of like, well, say they had succeeded, like, what do you expect it to do? Like, be like, dude, bro, high five, master race, and, and, you know, squid aliens, like, we're gonna be bros, and the new Axis take over the world, or would the squid alien once released just, like, eat them all, and, like, rule the world themselves? You know, like, I, I don't know, but, like, part of me thinks that's, you know, if, if you stopped and thought about the master plan, like, the master plan is probably not as cool as they think it is going to be or something i don't know but that's that's maybe just me but you know i guess what i'm saying is i'm glad starman and hellboy like kaboomed the the facility so that they couldn't release the the elder god or whatever i agree what i guess this might be something that that maybe me and justin might get more mileage out of but like what did you think of of uh ted knight's treatment in this i mean he's he's essentially the plot device and the hostage, right? Like, like if you, if you love like justice society and, you know, golden age star man, are you, should you be butthurt or should you just be like, well, he's a, you know, he's like a 90 year old dude. Like, what's he going to (laughs) do? Like, like, I I don't know. Like that, that's my, that's my question. So. I was thinking about that when I was reading it because I mean, you know, I didn't want anything to happen to him, but then it's like, he gets, like mind zonked or hypnotized or something, and yeah. he's basically working for them. And I mean, they cure him at the end, so that's good. But I, I don't know. I, I mean, I get it. They, they have to. It's like, oh, if you don't kidnap him, then there's no crux for the, you know, action or anything. Like nobody's ass gets in gear to make the story happen. So I get that, but I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him being like hypnotized, mind zonked or something. Like that's. If if I were going to point to like one maybe negative aspect of this two parter, like that would probably be it. But it's not a big deal. It's just like a minor nitpick. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I I guess the reason why I brought it up is like I I had that that thought in the back of my mind where it's like oh it's too bad to get like you know you know they they pulled a maxi zoom dweeby on his brain and, and made him, <laughs> you know face it you're a neo maxi zoom dweeby. <laughs> build Cthulhu monsters or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, because I was like, oh, well, like, that's, you know, because part of me is kind of like, you know, depending on who's writing this and, and whether he was the lead character or not, you could see somebody, like, totally resisting it and being a badass, but in this case, it's like he's, you know, like we said, he's 90 years old, he can't resist it, and he just goes along with the program, and then luckily, it's like, it's one of those things where you, you, you are kind of afraid, like, holy crap, is he dead? And then it's like, and, you know, Hellboy gives him the little antitoxin and then that basically like saves him and sort of restores him to his you know his right and former self but yeah i i I could see like if you were if if the only thing you were coming to this for was golden age ted knight you you might be a little you know butthurt over that you know i guess maybe to wrap things up maybe i'll ask this like since since you're not like super familiar with jack knight starman i guess i'd ask you mike like maybe what you thought of this issue and if this did did this entice you at all to read any other starman stuff 
Well, yeah, like I said, I, I'm not familiar at all with Starman of any kind. And um, I think you recommended like James Robinson's Starman to me before. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, he was on that Justice League that Brian, uh, you, you had Brian run that, uh, read that run of Justice League that he was so, a member of the so, team, wasn't sort he? Of the 70s swinging one that I said was in outer space with him was on that Justice League. Oh, okay. So, it, 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 I don't know. It, it's kind of like another Starman was on that Justice League, but was also in this Starman book that was coming out in the 90s. Oh, okay. So, what was then? What was the Starman run? I think you said once upon a time that was like so revered that they never wanted to like. Yeah, that, was with it or, yeah. that, that was this oh, okay, one. That was this one. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah that, that's that's. I'm trying to remember what I knew about Starman and what you had told me. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the, the the I think the notion was like, I mean, he he appeared in some Justice Society stuff that Goyer and Jeff Johns wrote, but I think once Robinson finished telling this story, like th- there was not a lot of pressure or anything for people to i guess i don't know dig up the dead electra for lack of a better term you know what i mean like (laughs) like once once robinson was done with it it seemed like at least for for now it seems like everybody sort of respected the wishes of like oh okay you know robinson told his story and that's the end of the story and you know it's not like they were going to go back to that cow again and try to milk it you know and like so far, that's true. I mean, I guess the only reason why I hesitate is like, you know, I, I suppose I didn't see a time where they were going to make all these spinoffs and sequels of Watchmen. You know, I, I don't think I don't think the me of, you know, 20 years ago when I was reading James Robinson's Starman and, and or the me that told you, you know, I don't know, like seven years ago that Starman was a revered book and they weren't going to ever touch it ever again, like foresaw that they'd be doing like doomsday clock with all the alan moore watchman characters so for me like now i'm kind of like well that's a whole different can of worms like for all i know next week it's gonna be like doomsday clock 2 uh jack knight back from the dead or whatever you know like or something like that where you're like what the what you know so i get you yeah like i i think this was like something that maybe was on my list at some point or whatever but other than that, yeah, like I'm not in any great hurry to like read it or or whatever, or even like more Hellboy or anything. Okay. I mean, like I enjoyed reading this, but it's not like I guess it's just generally not up my alley. What about you, Justin? Are you sad now that you've uh, finalized the the Starman yeah. experience? Yeah, I'm a little sad. Like like I said earlier, this is akin uh, to me at least. This is akin to watching that that final episode of the original Star Trek that I for some reason never solved you know long long time ago so it's a mixture of okay i finally read all the starman stuff yay and then you're like oh there's there's no more adventures out there to read i gotta i can read the old stuff again but you know there's there's nothing else out there as far as i know that to read so it's it's good but it's also a little bit sad but but yeah when when we were discussing what to do, like when you suggested this, I was like, "Yeah, I should finally sit down and read that." And I'm glad we read that for this. I'm like, you, you, in ten more years, you'll be like me, and you'll have read all of I'll Starman, forget. and you'll forget it. So it'll all be <laughs> brand new. It'll be fun. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. I'm, I am. I'm glad we we got to talk about this and everything, and it was fun. So, if you guys have any comments, questions, and/or concerns. If you want to send us some angry emails, because, uh, I don't know, because, because, uh, 
because you don't like Cthulhu monsters or you're like, what's up with the foreshortening on Batman? Even Mike could draw Batman like that. Uh, Send us an email at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of our episodes, it's over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can check out, you know, comics, motherfucker, do you read them episodes. In addition to that show, we've got the Fanholes Podcast proper. If you like comic books, we've also got a Thunderbolts podcast called Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning. And we've got all kinds of other spin-off shows. We've got Mobile Suit Mondays, Transformers Tuesdays, Toku Thursdays, Sentai Saturdays. We've got Big in Japan where we talk about anime. So yeah, so we've got all those shows. And this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, Cosmic Rotting into Outer Space, signing off. Hey, it's Mike murdering you over watching hockey over Frasier. <laughs> and this is Justin.
I'm conflicted. I think hockey is one of the only sports I actually enjoy That's watching. That's true. Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree with that. But I do love me some Brazier, and I can oh, yeah, never yeah. find re, re. I can never find. Maybe I just want it because I can't find reruns of it. I've, I've seen I've seen Frazier live, so yeah, I have a personal affinity to the Frazier. Oh yeah. Yeah, he cursed like sailor every time he flubbed one of his lines, but. It was it was fun to watch. Yeah. Did did Eddie the dog flub his lines too? No, it, I think Eddie the dog was probably like the best actor on the set. Like <laughs> like he knew all his marks and shit. Like he was he he was he was on point, man. I uh I was watching some old like convention footage of like you know Brent Spiner talking about working with Spot the cat, and he's like, "Have you ever tried to act with a cat?" Like, do you even own a cat? Do you know what cats are like? Like, it's awful. <laughs> like, anytime I got a script and it was like three or four pages of me and Spot, he's like, I just kind of like died inside. I think that's a question he should have uh, proposed to the writers of all these Spot sequences, right? Do any of you fuckers own a cat? Do you know what a cat's like? You must feed him and pet him and tell him he's a good kitty. <laughs> <laughs> I will feed him. Nice. May I ask a personal favor? Yes. Will you take care of Spot for me? Your animal. I'm afraid if I have another waking dream, I might injure him. Of course. Spot, come here. Unlike a canine, Spot does not respond to verbal commands. Goodbye, Spot. He will need to be fed once a day. He prefers feline supplement number 25. I understand. And he will require water. And you must provide him with a sandbox. And you must talk to him. Tell him he is a pretty cat. And a good cat. I will feed him. Perhaps that will be enough. <laughs> 